Hey everybody, this is episode 224 of Making Movies is Hard, and for the first time ever, we are having a guest on the show pre-show, Davey Williams. Uh, say hello to everybody. Hi everybody, this is Davey. Nice to be on the show, Alric. I've been listening since the beginning. Oh man, that makes me so happy. Davey's episode we recorded with Alex Kellerman probably back in late July. Um, it was a really fun conversation. Uh, it was before Liz joined the show as a full-time co-host, so she's not on this episode. Uh, sorry, Liz fans. But uh, I wanted to have Davey on because when we recorded the episode, he was planning his crowdfunding campaign for his film Chinese Speaking Vampires, but he hadn't um, released it yet or hadn't really gotten all the planning together. But now it is out today, right, Davey? Yes, the week of the 23rd, <laughs> it's starting, and uh, it's going to be great. Yeah, back when we talked, I hadn't had many um, investors or anything, but now we're about halfway there. And this crowdfunding, you know, it's only for 10000 but it'll help us toward our production goal and get us rolling. So I'm really um, positive and hopeful that it'll that it'll help and uh, we'll get going pretty soon on production. Nice. So this is like probably 6 a.m. or so that people are hearing this on uh, Monday, uh, September 23rd. Oh, wow. Is the earliest people will hear our voices right now. So what do you want people to do right now? Like, what should they be doing? Oh, you can go to our crowdfunding campaign page and follow us. Or if you want to support, that's great. And uh, check out the project. It's got a trailer and pictures and description and everything. And it's a passion project from the last four years. So I'm finally tired of waiting we're gonna do this now so that's what's going on some of my listeners and, and friends of the show they get really frustrated when they don't really know who you are and why they should care about what you have to say so give people a good brief elevator pitch for chinese speaking vampires well four years ago i started writing the script chinese speaking vampires just just give myself a great option for acting in a great film and so uh, four years later the script is ready and we're ready to go i'm really passionate about it and it'll help other people that speak mandarin Asians and Americans to be in the film. The film is Chinese Speaking Vampires. It's an action comedy about an actor that's desperate to be in a big name role and he finds his way of doing it is becoming fluent in Mandarin. So he takes class, he becomes a vampire and, and he succeeds, but in the end he has to decide between staying a vampire or going back to normal life. So it's a fun action comedy niche and i hope everybody likes it nice just to tease people with the episode davy tells an amazing story about working with dolph lundgren on a movie in china which is probably one of my favorite stories i've heard on the show ever and check out davy's reel i mean it's really fascinating because he's like you know an american but he speaks fluent Mandarin, and he does action sequences and fight sequences. And you check out his reel, it's kind of a trip, because he's, like, doing wire work in these Hong Kong-style action movies. And then, you know, pops up in a commercial, like, speaking Mandarin, or, like, playing, like, the white guy who's, like, dating this girl, or, like, the villain. It's just really fun to, like, see all these different roles that he did over the years. So, uh, I don't know, everyone, check out Davey's project, Chinese Speaking Vampires. And I hope you guys dig this episode. Thank you, everybody, for checking out our movie. And thanks, Alric. And we look forward to more supporters. That's it. Thanks a lot. Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggles of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Alex Kellerman. And I'm Ulrich Brussel. 
uh, this week, we are excited to welcome actor Davey Williams to the show. Hello, Davey. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, hey, Davey. Longtime fan of MMIH. <laughs> oh, so, awesome. Cool, man. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Same here. I think I, I, we met because you like said something nice about one of the episodes, um, and then I think you attached your reel mm-hmm. or something to it, and then I watched it, and I was just kind of blown away <laughs> by your reel, because it's like, I mean, I've, I've never really seen an actor's reel like that, where it's half in English and half in, um, I guess it's Mandarin, right? Is that mm-hmm. what it is? Yeah, Mandarin. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of impressive and odd, and I just thought, wow, what an amazing opportunity to talk to somebody who's had this career that's spanned um, two, two countries like this, continents. Yeah, very even, cool. I guess. So, yeah. Um, and well, we have not was, met uh, before. It's nice to sort of meet you. Mm-hmm. Thanks, yeah. Kellerman. Yeah, I was listening to all 200 or so episodes, and then I was like, hmm. It's such an original name, Alec Brussel. I could probably Google him. So that was pretty easy to find. <laughs> Easily Googleable. Yeah, Googleable. I'm easy to find. I'll make it really easy for you guys to hunt me down or whatever. Partly yeah. because, like, you know, I'm a freelancer, so I'm always trying to get work. So it's like, you got to have your name out there, you know? That's right. Yeah. That's a good tip. That, is that why that that's why you go by Davey instead mm-hmm. of David? Yeah, not blessed with an original first or last name, so. Like I was telling you, so I had to change that. At least it makes the first a lot of part. sense. Makes it easier to find you. Uh, because the parents probably wouldn't like me changing my last name, but you can <laughs> get away with the first name, a slight alteration. Right, <laughs> right that's funny. Um, so I had written out a bio for you, but I think maybe it's better, Davey, if you just give us your quick one-minute bio. Like, tell us who you are, your background, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I just grew up in Montana. And, Went to University of Washington and then moved to L.A. after that. Did uh, acting and extra work for a couple of years. Got into the union about 20 years ago uh, in SAG. So, and then I just putted around L.A. for a few years and then found out about China and got interested in moving over there. So I kind of quit my job and moved to Beijing and I loved it and just got into the whole business again over there so that's what I did and I also turned into like an on-stage like bilingual host and did singing did old Chinese songs and things like that to make money I brought my saxophone over there that made some money so I I just ended up doing a lot of stuff for fun and money over there nice And and it helped to I learned the language on my own so that helped me to get more and more opportunities over there. Did you learn the language before going? Uh, well, I just had some Pimsleur CDs in my car before I left in 2006, and that didn't help too much. But once I got on the ground over there, I was just carrying my little Chinese-English dictionary everywhere, a little notebook to jot things down, and talking to as many of the locals as possible, avoiding English speakers. Uh, I was in like a language cocoon for the first year and a half. Just really was uh, kind of absurdly obsessed with only a Chinese environment until I was pretty fluent. Nice. That's cool. I 2006 was a different time. That's the year that I moved to Los Angeles from North Carolina. Oh, wow. 
uh, and it wasn't. There were no uh, iPhones with translating <laughs> apps. <laughs> That's right. We had old-fashioned little dictionary that I was carrying around. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, so then, so you were in China, um, and then, and then what happened? Well, I kind of lost my train of thought now. But um, you were talking about hosting and singing in in uh, mm-hmm. China. Yeah, and then I did that till about. 2013 came back here for a couple years moved back for a couple years and uh, I just saw it kind of declining after about 2012 with their new supreme leader coming into power and less and less opportunities for foreigners and more and more visa requirements and the lifestyle got more expensive so the golden age was about 2006 to 2012 or so when I was there um and then it's been declining since. So. Oh wow, supreme leader coming into power. That sounds so like epic. <laughs> For real, <laughs> you know, like some like you don't think about science fiction movie or something. <laughs> no, and I don't. I don't have anything against him. I'm just saying he just made it a little bit harder for foreigners over there. Uh, when he sure. Became. Hey, well, you know, our president. Made it harder for foreigners over mm-hmm. here. Yeah, yeah, not not too dissimilar, really. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So then you came back here, and then have you just been here since tw- 2012, or have you been going back and forth still? I still go- went back and forth quite a bit up until last year, and then now I've just kind of made it a rule to only go back when I'm offered uh, decent jobs, which I I did that in April, two week uh, acting job. Uh, and I think I showed you the still shots from that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, Ancient Chinese Fight Club. And that was fun. Nice, man. So, yeah, just co- going back every couple of months for various jobs like that. If if it pays more than the ticket and, and it, it seems worth it, I'll go. Yeah. Nice. Well, it's interesting that you say like it made, you made it harder for foreigners because... I feel like in the last five years, there's been like a huge push um, for like China Hollywood collaboration, where you know you're seeing mm, a lot of Chinese stars in Hollywood movies. Like you know, if you remember uh, Days of Future Past, which I don't even remember what year that was, but you know they had like a Chinese star was like one of the characters, you know, and then like in the Pacific Rim uh, sequel, there's like a major Chinese star as one of the leads in that thing too, and. You know, mm-hmm. you're just seeing that more and more. So I figure, like, you should be, like, in a really good position, right? Because you, like, have experience mm-hmm. with both industries. Oh, yeah. It's still a great market, and they're still doing lots of projects. It's just uh, maybe as an actor living over there, it's not as easy anymore as it used to be. But there's still going to be tons of back-and-forth um, movie productions and financing going on. So it's... I'm in a good position to take advantage of it with the language skills and stuff. So Nice. Yeah. Let's go back a little bit. Uh, when did you get into acting to begin with? Mm-hmm. Good question. Uh, when I was in University of Washington, I was studying civil engineering, and then I took an acting class for fun, and I got in a student film at UW. It was called Mission Pimpossible. P-I-M-P, and then I was the lead in that, and I got <laughs> and I got really hooked on it, and then I moved to L.A. right after graduation, so that was fun. And then, you, so how did you, did you use that film to get work 
in LA. What was your first of all when you came to LA? Did you know anybody? Well, my sister has been here since she went to USC, and she did lots of commercials and stuff. So I always kind of following her. But no, I didn't really have any connections down here. And when I started, I just did those uh, extra work and signed up for those extra work agencies that kind of guarantee you to get a SAG voucher. So Sure. you pay them a little extra, and then you can get in the union easier. And But I had zero, I mean, besides that silly little student film, I had zero experience, and I was nervous in front of the camera. I could hardly speak in front of it, more than three people. And so I, I came a long way since then because I was just so freaking nervous when I was on camera or anything like that. It was just I had no reason or no uh, ability to be an actor at that time. Just uh, that little dream, you know. Wow. So you're doing background acting? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you got your SAG vouchers through that. Mm-hmm. Became Yeah. SAG, which guaranteed you work. No. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> No. Became SAG, uh, which got you better work. It looks good on your resume. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so then... Uh, were you also doing <laughs> people's short films or were you just sticking to background and until you got your SAG vouchers? yeah, just doing background. And uh, I did some USC student films. and uh, Chapman and LMU student films where you get a little lines, you know. But nothing like a Hollywood picture where you're getting a line, no. So, Sure. yeah. Okay, so then I'm trying to find out if you had success before going Mm -hmm. overseas. I would say not quite yet. I was just working hard and Just doing extra work, taking my acting classes at Beverly Hills Playhouse, and um, just hoping for a break. And But I didn't quite have, and yeah. what was your day job at the time when you were doing that? Oh, were you working also? Um, just, just actory jobs like host and catering and things like that, Okay. and act a waiter and things like Okay. that. Odd jobs, yeah. sure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the classic. Yeah. <laughs> Things you but do around when Hollywood. you're young as an actor in L.A. Right, exactly. Uh, and then what you said, then you found out about China. What, how did you, what do you mean you found out about it? Oh, I I dated a girl from Shanghai back uh, back in 2004, and Wow, we cool. went to the, her hometown, Shanghai, in, and saw that for a week, and I was exposed to it, and I realized it was very exciting, and I was very intrigued, so uh, a couple years later, I went by myself. It was, uh, I was really wanted to try it out. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. And barely speaking the language. Yeah, yeah, but I was... Fired Huh. up to Wow. That's crazy. uh, learn it and <laughs> be successful. and, and you didn't go with the girl that you met. You just did it by yourself. Oh, yeah, because we were already broken up. Oh, wow. But Yeah, obviously, uh, Alric. Jeez, I, did I you still... have to twist that I'm knife? sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just wanted clarity. he would have mentioned her, wouldn't he? <laughs> so, yeah. I She exposed me to the excitement of China, and then I held on to that and, and I kept researching about it and thinking about it and finally did it myself. So, but why Beijing and not Hong Kong?
Is it because Beijing mm. had more studios, or what? What was the reasoning there? At the time, I was like, "Hmm, what kind of jobs are offered there?" I was researching, and uh, you know, I was thinking, "How about Taiwan? How about Korea?" Well, I just did research on the types of uh, the the pri- cost of living there was much higher than mainland. So, and then I had these. Uh, modeling agencies and things like that that I was talking to like and then I, I met a modeling agent in Beijing that was very welcoming to me said hey come over you can stay on my couch until you find a place and then I'll introduce you to some jobs so that sounded like a golden ticket and I bought my uh, plane ticket and went and then I liked it and didn't really want to come back for a while so you were go- heading there with the express intention of continuing your acting career yeah well i was kind of like i'll try some modeling for a little bit and then while i was there then i started to meet um, actor agents and they plugged me into commercials and and shoots like that so then i was was it was it fairly easy yeah Uh, i mean not not was it easy obviously you're working hard what i mean is in los angeles you go to an audition for a commercial and there's a hundred other guys that look like you. I oh, can't yeah. imagine that's the same situation there. Right. And I was, you know, I was learning the language. I was meeting a lot of people, networking. And then sometimes they just plug you into a job without an audition. Sometimes you oh, go to wow. an audition. <laughs> really? Yeah. You just have the right look. Mm-hmm. But other times there's an audition and maybe it's five to ten other foreigners. Oh, wow. So five to that's ten. that's not always guaranteed. Wow. That's, that's mm-hmm. like so many less than any other market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, even in San Francisco, there's like probably like, you know, a hundred other people that, that are like, <laughs> you know, you're being pulled from or maybe 200. Um, and then when you get mm-hmm. to the audition, it's probably like at least – you know, like they they have a they have a lot a pretty big pick, you know, and like if they don't like somebody, they can always go back to the well. But if there's only five to ten of you, or whatever, you're, you know, <laughs> it's like, that's mm-hmm. pretty great. <laughs> so yeah, this the is first, uh, yeah, the first big cool movie I did was in 2006. It was a Dolph Lundgren movie called Diamond Dogs, and so I got to be his stunt double and. Uh, a, a part with a few lines uh, playing one of the uh, military guys and that was cool and uh, that kind of kicked it off and I, I loved it and even you know back then I was still a little nervous and everything but I was going to say are you do, you must have experienced some culture shock Mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely culture shock and it was also culture shock coming back at times to I'm America sure. Uh, or you're kind of like, you know, special over there and you're treated that way. And then you come <laughs> back here and you're not so special. <clears throat> so you just have to remind yourself that, okay, I'm back to normal now. I'm in, a, right. I'm in L.A. Well, so nobody's going to treat me special. And then how many redheaded actors, uh, Americans, are there in China? This, that's got to be even a smaller number, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Maybe... One or two, and then with my Mandarin ability, <clears throat> it's pretty much zero because <laughs> <Wow>. that was <laughs> yeah, because you're fluent. <laughs> you have like the corner on the market of like redheaded Americans in China. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I know, huh? 
<clears throat> that's so, i mean it's great it's great there are so your your reel is like two minutes long and has so many things on it i wish they i wish reels could be longer because yeah you had to cut out a lot. it's crazy um and then but in your reel too like you see that you've done some fighting and some wire work and stuff mm-hmm. and so how did that all work was it like you got hired for a role and then you get trained in that stuff or did you have to learn it beforehand like how did you make that stuff happen yeah, you kind of rehearse it on set for any fighting scenes, and the wire work is uh, painful at times, where you're flying through the air, and uh, like five to ten poor Chinese guys are doing the pulling, straining to lift me in the air, right? Uh, and then it's kind of all going in your crotch area, all that pressure from the wires, and then, but you have to maintain the, the character, or you can't be like, wincing because that's painful or something so that was interesting (laughs) it's probably the harness is a little too small for you too right (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 well because you have to act while you're doing this thing too it's like you're not only are you flying through the air it's like you have to be in Mm -hmm. character speaking another language and like flying basically (laughs) and then when you let and when you hit the ground, you have to do, you know, kind of like a superhero landing. Right, hit a pose. Yeah, I think you saw that in the reel. So yeah, I I, lo- I love like I love Chinese kung fu movies and stuff. So mm. it's very wonderful. Cool. <clears throat> and Were the, you uh, into those sorts of movies before you went there? Yeah, definitely. I loved like the Matrix, which incorporated uh, the Hong Kong acting Absolutely. directors. Yeah. Uh, movements into a western film so i think that's really cool and i'm more into boxing and stuff so that's why on the ancient chinese fight club i was the lone foreigner the lone boxer and then there were several small chinese uh, kung fu fighters that i would throw off the stage whatever (laughs) until the final uh, small act main actor kind of bested me and then we became friends yeah So that was fun, yeah. A lot of good times over there. Um, and and can can so this is something I want to talk about, and then we're going a little out of order. But like, can you just talk to us about the way uh, filming works in China versus here? You know, like, like is there any difference? Like, are, do they do things the same, or are there different methods to how they block and rehearse and shoot? Like, just just give us a breakdown of like how like you know you walk onto set like on your at your call time. Like, just talk us through what happens. Hmm. Now, are you talking about the 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 stuff pre-production where you're getting invited to act there, or the actual film date differences? Well, I guess the whole process. So, are, is there a lot of rehearsal um, in these Chinese movies where you get to Mm-mm. you know show up early and they they go through stuff with you, or is it like you're just showing up on the day and jumping in? Hmm. Well, let me just give you, paint you a picture of what a typical Chinese production is like, <clears throat> and they, uh, not to speak badly, uh, it's not as professional as a Hollywood shoot. So, for instance, uh, dozens oh, really? of times we would be, the actors would be bussed there to the location, and we would be there before the crew. 
or something <laughs> and we'd be like sitting in the van for two hours oh and God. watch the crew lazily show up and set things up wow. <laughs> and these little things after working as an extra in hollywood i was like no that's terrible treatment <laughs> you can't you can't it's falling on deaf ears but so wow. that's and you're just chilling with the cast mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. now i like how in hollywood you get treated amazing if you have even a five word line you have a trailer, whatever. Even extras get treated quite well. Mm-hmm. Now, in China, even though I had like seven weeks of work, uh, you're you're not treated like that, and you get little uh, three little plasticky meals a day, no craft services, things like wow. that. So you definitely no have craft services. No, no, you have <laughs> to bring your own bring your own backpack with your own craft services. Wow. Holy shit. <laughs> anyway, wow. not to speak bad. Now the, no, no, uh, but that's very interesting. Uh, was uh, compensation comparable? Well, that's the good thing. Like, uh, say, for instance, that seven-week job, and that was 2011, made about 10 grand U.S. after the agent's cut. So you do get awesome. paid pretty well. And it's not as high as a Hollywood-speaking actor, but still pretty good. And the cost of living over there is way cheaper anyway. Oh, yeah. You get to pocket and save a lot of money when you're working there. So so what I'm trying to say is that there are benefits. The benefits in acting in China, it really padded my demo reel. Got tons of confidence, tons of experience. Um, but you do have to take the hard knocks and stow away your ego when you're treated like that uh, in certain ways. So it's good has goods and bads. But are even the stars being treated like that, or do the stars get trailers and stuff, or is it all the same? I have seen uh, on that one I was just telling you about the main actress. Her name is Liu Tao quite famous she had her own little uh, rv um but everyone else uh, only that one star had a rv everyone else was kind of the same as me wow. showing up in the minivan <laughs> wow. taking their own ba- taking their own little chair around to sit in because wow. you're out in the woods or whatever um so not too much like you see over here with the nice treatment of the stars yeah and then you know, when you talked about the crew coming late um, after the actors, do you think that was because mm-hmm. they just have later call times or is it because they're shooting other scenes in other locations and then having to go from one place to another? Like, or do you even know? No, that was like morning first scene. Oh, and then the actor's <laughs> van would go out at the same time as the big trucks for um, crew. Oh, wow. And then the crew maybe would show up later. Um, and and even sometimes you'd get in a van and and then the driver gets lost and he makes a bunch of calls he doesn't even know where the set is i mean really bad organization wow this wow. happened several times so um there's something about their organization skills that are lacking um i've seen it across their society but 
Anyway, you just have to roll with those punches and put a smile on your face. Yeah, and no, it sounds like a great learning experience, honestly. Mm, and I, when is, I was first, it, yeah, go ahead. Because if you can do it under the worst conditions, <laughs> yeah, then you absolutely. can do it under better conditions easier. So that's, I guess I kind of went over the pros and cons there. <laughs> right. um, but then, you know, what did you learn uh, from your time at, in China besides obviously the language? Like, was there, what else did you learn about the craft that you've been able to apply to, to yourself as an actor? Oh, man, it's just uh, so much good experience on camera and so much confidence compared to when I started 20 years ago as an extra in Hollywood I would be thinking man I'd love to have a speaking part but oh my god if they picked me I'd be I'd be like a stone I'd be so nervous I couldn't (laughs) open my mouth so I had no confidence to now where you're like I can I could be acting with any major star on camera I would try to outperform them or whatever. Just such a huge, vast gulf of experience that I've I've had now and confidence. So I'm just so thankful for that and able to be a confident in my own abilities type of an actor and a good demo reel and everything. So that's good. I learned learned a lot about the craft, learned about uh, all sorts of uh, on camera type of things and learning it in both English and Mandarin is cool. So that's cool. Nice. And uh, were you able to make friends or, or was it like, I, I really, I, I apologize for being a little uncultured. I've never been there, but is is it, are they friendly to Americans? I, I mean, Well, absolutely. Because as you can imagine, I was just the most crazy like pro china everything when i first moved there in 2006 like yes teach me that new word what did you just say i love (laughs) the culture and of course people love to be around that person sure i mean there are a couple foreigners that kind of dissed me for going a little bit over the edge with that stuff okay and their of course their mandarin was terrible so (laughs) and they didn't get so many jobs so I was very motivated, and then the friends over there were pretty cool. A lot of people helped me. Like, for instance, it's all about networking there. Now, I met sure. a lady. She met, introduced me to a friend that worked at CCTV. They got me on the the big star search type of really famous program over there for singers and entertainer, entertainers in 2008. So that was huge, and I got to sing an old Chinese song on that uh, show. That that helps. That was fun. Another connection. Yeah, cool. intro- yeah, another connection introduced me to Foreign Languages Press in Beijing, and they told me I've got to write my story. They want to publish it. So I got six months, oh. and I and I wrote a book about living in China and doing what, acting really? and, and odd jobs and they published that and made some money with wow, that nice. so that's awesome that was a good connection uh, and since that book I kind of did some updated versions and I just threw them on Amazon with Create Space. so those are all up nice. there um, on Amazon now um, 
going going back to what you said earlier about the other foreigners dissing you because you were too much pro China. Like what what were they saying? Like, oh, mm-hmm. you're like not American, like you love China too much? Or like what was their deal? Yes, this is a good point. If y'all want to learn really good Mandarin, you have to have that language environment, that cocoon. And I took it to the nth degree. Okay, I would, if foreigners came up to me, I would talk to them in some Mandarin and test their ability. (laughs) Now, some American guys took offense to that. They said, I'm American, speak English. And I would just... Okay, I kindly walk oh, away. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, those guys are dicks in any culture. <laughs> and then on that Diamond Dogs film, the 2006 one, I had a American roommate, or oh, at least for one day, and he was kind of like that, like, why are you always speaking Mandarin? That's fine. I'm like, I went directly Jeez. to the production room and said, look, I'm, I don't want to room with that guy. So I ended up rooming up with, with a Chinese actor, and then eventually got my own room. But nice. yeah, so you had—I had to protect the language environment of constant uh, Chinese speaking and listening, and that was cool to some foreigners, not to some others. And the the smart ones were uh, supportive, and they tried to keep up. Yeah, with me intellectually, and, that makes sense. And speak <laughs> speak Mandarin with me to my best friends. Uh, are still speak some Mandarin with me, and they're already back stateside too. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, it, it makes cool. sense if you're going to be there and you're trying to have, make a career there. Like, of course, you want to speak the language. Like, why wouldn't you immerse yourself? It seems that seems like an obvious choice. You know, hard though, mm-hmm. like challenging to do, but you know, absolutely very difficult. Uh, I yeah, I don't really understand people you getting know, upset about it. <laughs> and a lot of Chinese people tell me, oh, Mandarin is the hardest language in the world. You're amazing. I said, well, to foreigners, it's super hard. But imagine from the Chinese perspective, learning English, that's just as foreign to them right. as yeah, Mandarin is, is to hard. us. So they evidently are working harder on it because so many more people speak English over there than Mandarin over here. So I just think they try harder at it. Yeah. Can can you talk a little bit about working with Dolph Lundgren? Did you get did to do any scenes with him? Like, what was that experience like? Yeah, he's he was cool at first, and uh, he was uh, he's a tough tough guy. And uh, first, first of all, he was the main actor, and they hired a French Canadian, uh, Sammy Dotan. He started out as the director, but they're um, kind of clashed personalities and he was kind of ousted by Dolph and Dolph kind of took over the directing Oh, duties. really? Wow. Holy so, moly. Yeah, it, was really? like a, it was like a coup d'etat <laughs> and wow. people on set were like, hmm, whatever happened to the director? Wow. And he would like show up once a week or something like to put, get his face noticed. But yeah, what? Dolph kind of took that over, and he and was, Dolph started directing. Yeah, he's definitely an alpha wow. personality, and he got shit done, but uh, he rubbed wow. a lot of people the wrong way, and uh, 
the Chinese crew didn't like him that much, but I respect him. He just, I guess he just wanted, he probably was one of the main investors right. too, so he was probably mm-hmm. antsy to make it how he wanted and, to. And did you right. get to act with him, interact with him? Was he like generally pleasant or was it like, you know, when he took over, he was kind of like, you know, in just in work mode or something? At that time, I was like desperate to get more lines, so sometimes I would throw a line in here and there, and sometimes you'd say, what are you doing? You don't have a line. You know? <laughs> or I would swear to God I had that line when I was supposed to drive the truck and say, oh, pull over. And he'd like argue with me, no, that is my line. I'm like, oh, boy. You're now, trying to steal lines from Dolph Maybe Duncan. he's... <laughs> wow. Wow, man. That, that's pretty, that's pretty now ballsy, he... dude. <laughs> I was I was I was fearless back then and it's kind of stupid. But like, no, anyway, that's my line, Dolph Lundgren. That's not your line. That line belongs to me. <laughs> I can't imagine that. Well, okay, would ha- I wouldn't even say okay. that. I would just jump oh, the line, God. say it, and he would stop production and say, no, "What? What's going on here? You, that's not your line." <laughs> I, I swear to God, it was my line, but I didn't argue. That's you really know. funny. He's a wow. big guy. But did you get any lines, extra lines in the movie doing that, or did they all end up getting cut? Uh, I just had a few scripted lines, and a f- few of them stayed in there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no but, extra uh, lines. <laughs> his, his soliloquy to the camera got uh-huh. cut, though. So that oh was an God. interesting movie called Diamond Dogs way back in the day in wow. wow. Inner Mongolia, China. Dude, that's, that's an amazing story. I love that. You're ch- ch- trying yeah, that's to great. Dolph lines from him. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the Chinese crew had, like, a Chinese name for him, which was, like, Big Gorilla or something. And uh, so they... <laughs> They weren't huge fans Appropriate. of him, but he can was you, the boss. Can you say you know? it in uh, Mandarin, like what what the what it sounds like in Mandarin? Da xing xing. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh man, gosh, that's impressive. Uh, so I was the opposite. I would uh, really only hang out with the Chinese crew and actors, and and I was their drive drawing pictures and writing the new Mandarin words I learned every day and a good student so I was endearing to the crew, cast and crew so that's how I was when I first got there now over time I wasn't as all that gung-ho anymore but at first I um, sure was. and then in that movie were you speaking Mandarin or English in your role oh yeah it's all English oh, okay. I mean Dolph had a couple lines where he would say a couple of things in Chinese, but it was a Western okay, film. Okay, so, okay. yeah, can we talk about that for a minute? What, so, on your reel, there are films where you speak are speaking English. Mm-hmm. There are uh, there are scenes where you're speaking Mandarin, mm-hmm. and then there are scenes where it looks like you're dubbed. Yes. So what? Why are you dubbed? Oh, I hated that. Uh, on that uh, seven-week shoot. Um, called it didn't sound like your voice. I'm assuming you're dubbed right? by somebody else. And here I am learning those seven weeks of difficult Chinese lines. I pretty much <laughs> right. nailed off. Yeah. But then when I see the finished product, they went and hired an older Chinese guy 
to say wow. my lines, and I just think it looks stupid because it's obviously a Chinese voiceover actor saying my wow. lines, but my vo my lips are still moving pretty much the wow. same way. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, well, I could that's try. Just, uh, uh, you know. some, some directors decide to do that? Yeah, I think... They probably they didn't regret even tell it you? because no, they didn't. And you I, you didn't know until you saw the film. Exactly. Oh my god. We don't have control over things like that. I guess. Oh my yeah. god, I can't wow. imagine. Fortunately, I've had several other films that they did use my voice. Um, yeah, most um, of the stuff on your reel is just you talking. Mm-hmm. And I have a kind of a unique. Uh, I'm sorry if that's a sore subject. I, oh, no, I was just no, very no. curious about it. <laughs> I have, you know, the unique um, American-speaking Chinese voice, so I think that they should keep that, and most of the time they would use my own voice. Um, yeah. And then this is sort of a, I don't know, just a question I had, just something I was thinking about. Like, did you ever experience any kind of, like, you know, pushback from, um, you know, the, the Chinese crews or the Chinese companies that you're working with? Like, did you ever experience, like, any kind of, racism of any kind or anything or was it all just super accepting and super encouraging that you were there like learning mandarin and like becoming part of the culture and trying to carve this career for yourself mm -hmm. yeah absolutely they were very accepting of you on set and and in person everyone's super nice to you uh, on the surface everything is hunky-dory no problem but what i learned after a few years, as no matter how many of those roles I do, I will never be a star or famous there. So uh, I had big dreams when I started, like, yes, I'm going to be like the next Dashan, who was famous in the 90s, Canadian guy. No, they don't allow that. They don't allow a foreigner to become one of their stars or the number one guy in a major film. So, uh, once I accepted that, I was like, okay, this is good for making money and padding my demo reel, but you're never going to have, you're, you have a glass ceiling there, and you're never going to go to the top like uh, someone in Hollywood has the potential uh, to do. Interesting. So, I was like a little bit dejected for a while, and and uh, but there are benefits, like it did help my acting ability and my demo reel and everything and resume so just don't get your hopes up that you're going to be famous over there so were all yeah. your roles kind of supporting characters for the most part or did you mm -hmm. ever play like a villain or anything oh yeah of course yeah nice. for sure <laughs> um villains were the you saw on the reel where i had long hair red and white long hair and, yeah, and that, that was cool. That's really cool. <laughs> and that one, I was playing the evil magician Morris, and he, since it was like a magical Chinese fairy tale type movie, he was able to turn um, women into old ladies. That was his magic. <laughs> and then he had a whole island of these maidens that couldn't escape, and they were ugly and old. So the wow. main lady, Liu Tao, who you saw, she did the magic reverse on me and made me old and ugly. And then I was sad and 
atone for my oh, past wow. sins, and and then and then we became friends. Oh, you become friends! Uh, wow, did you have to wow. do some crazy old age makeup? <laughs> <laughs> so you saw that on the reel, but uh, and then in this latest one in April, the Ancient Chinese Fight Club, we. I was kind of the bad guy for most of the film because I was taunting all the Chinese in the audience to come up on stage and fight, and I would throw them off in various ways into the crowd. And then finally the main guy uh, kind of beats me in the end. So kind of bad guy roles, but they don't want to make foreigners out to be like devils, so always at the end of the movie it's some kind of somewhat happy oh, resolution. So no, no foreigners get killed oh, or anything. Goodness. Hilarious. <laughs> no foreigners were harmed during the making of this film. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Since they don't have the American Humane Society, they have the the protection of foreigner society in the films, <laughs> maybe. <Wow. laughs> nice. And then, so, okay, so then, how long was your first run? You said 2006 to 2013? Right. And then memory. you returned to Los Angeles? Mm-hmm. Returned for two years, tried that out. Eh, then they got some opportunity over there, ran back to China for a couple of years. You got an opportunity over there while you were here? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I was like, hmm, I'm driving Uber here, taking crap from people, <laughs> or I can be the freaking man again <laughs> <Right>. over there. <laughs> That's funny. So, but this time back, it's different. I mean... I'm not driving Uber or anything. I started my production company. I'm making things happen. And and things are going well. So no need to go back. uh, So you're in China permanently now? Uh, L.A., yeah. He's back. Oh, you're in L.A. permanently now. Mm -hmm. Sorry, confusing. (laughs) I see. Uh, Yeah, but Okay, wait, wait, wait. So hold on. I'm just trying to get a timeline. So 2013, Mm. you came back Mm -hmm. for two years. Mm Mm-hmm. So and then, uh, 2015 to last year, back. I was there most of the time. And then at the end of 2018, I came back permanently, bought a car, which makes me know I'm permanent. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have a car now. <laughs> it yeah, kind of anchors me right. here, right? And then uh just have been back a couple times in the last six months for uh, uh, hosting, singing, and acting jobs. Was that a conscious decision? You you decided you were going to come back permanently? Or did yeah, something... Like, I, what brought you back? I kind of saw the writing on the wall the last year or two, and I don't see it getting any better. And a lot of my American buddies over there, got a couple hundred American bros over in China. We have WeChat group, and, and they've been coming back in droves too. And wow. they're teachers in different op- occupations. It's just because of the... Visas are getting harder, the Mm -hmm. negativity is starting Uh, up, and the cost of living is going up. So I kind of saw that a year ago and was itching to get back here to a beautiful, healthy lifestyle again. So I came back, and then, what's that? Do you have a manager or agent over in China that's getting you these roles? Mm -hmm. Oh, no. See, over there, good question. We don't have, foreigners don't get a exclusive agent or manager like in Hollywood. They have a bunch of semi-professional agency people that uh, get actors and they take uh, crazy amounts of the actor's money without telling them oh, wow. and then 
sign sign you up for an acting gig. <laughs> And Wait, you but learn there, over there are unions over there, right? You still no. protected by SAG? No? no? Oh, wow. And so you learn over time which agents are somewhat fair to you, like give you a pretty good rate. And then other newcomers, you just see, oh, they're giving you this guy like a thousand RMB a day? Oh, my God, it's just terrible. And some of the new foreigners, like Russians and Ukrainians, are like, okay, I'll take it. Wow. And then long-term professionals like myself were like, don't take those. You're just encouraging them to offer low rates to everyone. So we had those type of discussions a lot to try to not let actors take such low wages all the time. So what what does that translate to U.S. dollars, 1,000 RBM a day? Uh, 150 oh, U.S. Wow. So it doesn't sound that and much then, different than from what's happening here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got well, me there. But uh, no, WGA over there, striking. I would get usually demand at least 3,000 RMB a day, sometimes up to four or 5,000 RMB a day. So that's 450 to like 750. And right. then... Uh, and most of the good agents agree that's good because that's a more and more expensive cost of living there, so we deserve it. But I guess there's some new agents and new actors that'll settle for that 1,000 RMB a day. And then do you think they're pocketing even more money on top of that um, in addition? Yes. So like they're, they're, yes. They really could be should be paying you probably more like you know, 7,000, 8,000 mm-hmm. RBM and still getting like a 10%, but instead they take like, 30 to 40%? Mm, come on, they take 50% oh a lot of times and we don't find out about wow. it a lot. There's no way to find That's out because they have, they go to the uh, Chinese investor and wow. producer and then they they say, oh, I have 5,000 and they give that actor maybe 1,500. Wow. You know? It's kind of kind of like that a lot. Wild Wild West, you know, maybe before SAG was in place, they had that over here, who knows? You oh, know. I'm sure. I'm sure they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. No protection. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So then now you're back. Mm-hmm. You got a car. Yeah. Doing great. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Doing. I got a car manager and the production company and then my little entertainment industry filmmaker type groups meet up and uh, help other new actors and things like that. So it's promising and and um, happy. So I think it's going well. And so talk to me about your production company. What? what how did you start that up? Uh-huh. Um, last year I started to get in contact with investors in China about about producing and financing Chinese Speaking Vampires, the movie. And I had a lot of promise from one in, in a province over there. And he was really sounding good like he was going to do it and he said well we need to do a production company together in the US and then we can do projects so I started to think I need to start my own production company and uh, he eventually didn't return my WeChat messages after a while so mm, that, that happened sucks. but then I met not another, unusual though <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then I met another uh, producer over there very nice lady and um she is really trying. I mean, she tried hard. It's not a good year for people to invest in movies over there, so it's not her fault. But I still started up the 
company. It's called um, Kung Pao Pictures, and it was kind of nice. based on the, the name of my first short film, Kung Pao Love, and uh, just kind of tongue-in-cheek, you know, we like Kung Pao Chicken, so we like Kung Pao Pictures. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's we? You got some other people working there with you? Nah, well, yeah, I mean, we have our little team. Nobody is, uh, I'm not like paying people, but we have sure. the team of people that are ready to make it happen with crowdfunding and bootstrapping and whatever we have to do to make it happen. So so are you hitting the ground running here with auditions and stuff too and doing all that thing? And mm-hmm. uh, have you like... Sounds like he's focusing on the production company. But have you landed any roles company. and things out here since you've been back? Or is it like Kellerman saying all production company stuff? Oh, yeah, I did uh, indie pilot um, a couple weeks ago here. Uh, Friends Production Company got a decent role in that, and my manager sent me to several commercial auditions. Got a call back on the Toyota commercial, and that was fun. So keeping keeping the faith, keep on moving forward. Right. Yeah. That's so awesome. you're still acting. Yeah. 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 For sure. <clears throat> so. But but it does. But you're directing you 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 mentioned your first short film. Mm-hmm. That's, I assume, the first short film that you made with this production company? That was two years ago in China. Okay. Oh. Um, So that was before the company, and I had a small investor for that. It took about 4000 bucks, and we made it on the cheap over there as a 16-minute movie. And then uh, that was fun. Uh, but some of the language was kind of bad, so my family didn't like that. Oh, that's funny. And, uh, I, got, I was not wow. thinking at the time, like, wait, don't let that actor ad-lib so much bad humor, guy wow. humor. You know, it's got to be more And PG. is it in English or anyway, is it in Mandarin? Oh, English, it is okay. English with a couple Chinese lines thrown in there. Nice. Um, yeah. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. And, it, and you... Wrote it, directed it. What what was your part mm-hmm. in it? I had a a buddy directed. He's uh, a lot more experienced with making shorts, so he directed that. But I wrote it and acted in it and produced it and dealt with the budget and everything. So found awesome. all the actors. So that was nice. fun. Cool. I liked producing. And is that, like that film out? Can people watch that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just nice. Compound Love on YouTube. And did you do? You said it's a short film. Yeah, short, sixteen minutes. How how long is it? Uh, sixteen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I got that done, I was like, "Film freeway," and I went crazy. <laughs> and yeah, I just submitted the festival. I spent four or five hundred dollars submitting to all nice. sorts of film festivals, and I only got a few token like finalists and stuff from a few of them. And so I was like, hmm. Watch your money with these film festivals because it's so tempting to just throw a ton of money at film festivals. I would be more selective next time. Yeah. Yeah, there's also a lot of free film festivals that you can apply to, which Mm -hmm. I only learned about recently. Um, I don't know about a lot. (laughs) I looked on Film Freeway, too, and I didn't see that many free ones. For the most part. Most of them were at least 10 bucks. Not like a hundred, but like, you know, like, you know, at least like, you know, 10, 20. I mean. Well, look, unfortunately, a lot of film festivals are worthless. 
Uh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> not all of them. Mm-hmm. Well, I not think it just depends on what you're but trying to get out of it. Like if you're, yeah, you want the laurels, experience of going to film festivals is never pointless. Yes, but, ex- agreed. But most film festivals, you know, don't actually. Well, I think that it's like have any well, impact themselves. But I think it's 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 all about what you think. Besides bringing it's you together with other people, right? Like, like I think. Well, that, that's more it, like a mixer, <laughs> right? But. It's it's like a place for you to show your work. It's a place to see other people's work. It's a place to meet uh, actors true. and filmmakers in the community, and it's also a place to meet potential fans. And even if it's ten people that you can connect with at a film festival, I feel like those ten audience members, those ten potential viewers of your future work, are really worth it because not only are they going to watch your stuff when you release it, but they they now have a personal connection to you. And so they're going to be more vocal about like sharing your work with people, whether it's online or just telling a friend, you know? And so I feel like that the, is absolutely a possibility. <laughs> I think it's cute. I think it's, I think it's totally true. You know, I mean, I just think that that energy of like going to film festivals is really important. And I think when you don't do film festivals and you just put a movie online, like I think you lose a, a big chunk of your audience because you're not connecting with people in person, you know? Alric, have you been to quite a few uh, film festivals with your projects? Yeah. So my first short film, strange thing, um, got into about 25 film festivals. Nice. Um, and I applied to probably 80. Nice. <laughs> That's really good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I went to probably 15 of them, I think, you know, around there. Um, and that was great. Like I met so many wonderful people. And then when the movie came out online, I was able to email every film festival and have them post about it on their social media blogs, which I think really helped get the word out even more and helped me get, um, you know, my 25,000 views I got the first week that it came out, you know, um, and then I thought to myself after that experience, I was like, yeah, screw film festivals. Like, I just got to go online and I'll, and I'll just do an online strategy and I'll get way more views on my next short film. And so I did that. I applied to like maybe 10 film festivals, got into two or three. I think in the end I got into like five for that film. Um, but I really like pushed the online and I like got tons of articles written about the film, you know, got like all these people to post about it and some you know submitted it to all these things and then yeah i got like maybe a couple thousand hits on it you know hmm. um and i think one of the reasons is because you didn't have like all the build-up from all the film festivals and all the connections i made at film festivals to like help spread the word about the film and like kind of be you know like like my cheerleading squad about the movie um and so now i'm just like next time i feel like i will do more film festivals again just because like i think that is a big part of you know if you can get into a a, a few it'll really help the online release in mm. the end you That's know awesome. um but it's really expensive and it's e- it's even harder to get into film festivals now like i i wonder if i submitted to that same 80 film festivals now with my movie would i get into the same amount probably not you know <laughs> it's harder every year yeah harder every year so i'm not saying it's easy i'm just saying that there is definitely like a value to film festivals for sure and they're fun but i think like the main thing is you probably don't want to submit to too many that you can't actually go to because it's like going to the film festival is like really the most important part i think 
in the oh, end. I didn't know that at, at that time. <laughs> I submitted to European ones, Mexican oh, yeah. ones, whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, I did, I did too. And I, you know, I got into one in Mexico and one in Toronto, and I couldn't go to both because it's too expensive. So I went to Toronto. Um, <laughs> nice. But, you know, that was a really amazing experience. And yeah, I don't know. Anyways, back to you. Um, <laughs> So your film's online. We, I haven't seen it yet. I'll go check it out. Um, and then um, a year ago, we filmed a trailer slash short film for Chinese-speaking vampires. And at the end of it, I have my spiel about crowdfunding. And that's just under Chinese-speaking vampires on YouTube. And uh, it was fun to make that. Uh, just excited to... So that was like your sizzle. Mm-hmm. And now you're now you're currently crowdfunding that project. About almost because we have a couple investors, a small time, you know, ten thousand or so, and then I can do a little, and then I'm trying to build a group of solid friends and get them passionate about it, and then when we all do it crowdfunding at the same time, all pushing to a website, it might be more successful than say me just asking my friends and family to go to that website and and uh, crowdfund so i'm right. getting there getting close and hopefully within the next month or two we're going to launch that oh nice and did you have social media and everything for the film all set up that you're you know reaching it posting to and all that mm, i just have the kongpowpictures.com website but we were talking yesterday about making one specifically for the movie, so when the crowdfunding thing goes on, there's no other distractions. It's all about that film and, yeah. you know, help us make it. That's that's what we're going to do, make a new website for that. Have you you've yeah. written the script already? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's been done a year ago. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of like a fun uh, comedy action film, tongue-in-cheek, you know, these students learning mandarin and then their teacher at the end of their one month class uh, ends up turning them into vampires and they all of a sudden speak fluent mandarin and they forget their english and they're just kind of like <laughs> what the hell's going on they have nothing to do but to help follow him and help him do wow. his duties in fighting the evil vampire that's there to take over LA. interesting so That's it's a nice. fun little project that I can only I can act in though, <laughs> but uh, some other people that speak a little bit of Mandarin can also act in, and nice. Asian actors and everything. So that'll be cool. Um, one thing I should suggest doing before you launch your crowdfunding, and this is something I'm doing right now, is creating uh, a Chinese speaking vampires Facebook page and maybe even a Twitter and an Instagram, and then start building an audience around the film specifically. And then once you launch your crowdfunding, um, the peop- the, you'll have like a, a nice little base to go along with the other connections you've already made to help you you know, get that crowdfunding to be successful. Okay. Um, Welcome know. to Alric's Advice Corner. Yeah, I, mean, I like it. That's that's what like so you know co-host of the show and previous guest Liz Manischel. That's like one of her big things is like you know really build your audience before you launch your crowdfunding campaign. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say that you want like two at least three months of like build up on social media before you launch your crowdfunding. Um, I didn't have that much. I'm, I'm probably going to do a little bit less when my crowdfunding launches. Probably like a month or two. Um, but I still think anything's good, you know, just to like help, you know, get people primed and ready, you know, to, to, 
you know, see what you've got, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see your uh, page for that, and when it's ready to roll, I'll yeah, check that well, out. You can you can go check it out now. The alternate on Facebook and Twitter and on um, Instagram. The alternate, I think it's all the alternate film on all those. Um, but I'll put them on the show notes too. Just Sweet. a little self plug for me. <laughs> yeah, because um, you, you save it to the end. Jesus, you deserve it. Yeah. No, no. I mean, sorry, Davey. <laughs> no, no, come on. If you can't We're supposed to be your... talking about his project. Oh, we are, on. we are. We Ulrich are. definitely um, deserves all the support he can get. Oh, He's worked thanks, hard Davey. on the alternate, I know that. <laughs> He's been well, working on it and talking about it for a long time. Yeah. So so when, Davey, do you think you're going to launch? You said in a couple of months you might mm-hmm. launch your crowdfunding? Now that you say that, it would be better to wait two months and like start tomorrow with Facebook, Twitter and IG page. So that'll be that'll be a good idea two months and, later. Yeah. And then there you go. the teaser that you did episode. The tw- the teaser you did for the film, is that something you're keeping private and that you're gonna save to release for the crowdfunding or is that already available for people to see? No, that's on YouTube. It's just called Chinese Speaking Vampires and the seven minute version has like almost a thousand views so oh, i think nice. people just like randomly like that title and maybe they watch it for a couple minutes so and then the two minute version is also on there nice and then cool we'll are put you that gonna in the show do notes. oh yeah absolutely and then are you gonna do another um like little teaser video like a little scene or something for your crowdfunding or are you going to just use the the sample you already have to go with the crowdfunding campaign i definitely want to improve on it even if it's just shot in a room with a more specific like number amount that we're looking for and and do that maybe have a couple actors in costume next to me Um, that would be good for the crowdfunding site and if we have the money to make a scene and put it on there that'd be cool too um, but just yeah. use uh, uh, use art and other great copyright on the f- uh, on the f- uh, actual page, and uh, and then get lots of people excited about it, and then push drive to that website when the time is right. Great, nice. Chinese speaking vampires. Thank I'm you. Check it out as soon as we're done. Sounds here. awesome. Mm. Yeah, catchy title, right? I like it. I like mm. it a lot. So uh, how long how long do you plan it to be? Oh, it's about a ninety five page script. So, Great. Full length uh, feature. Yeah. Per- yeah. Perfect mm-hmm. length. I, I gotta get my script down to ninety five pages. Oh yeah. <laughs> the more you go over ninety, the more expensive it is. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, seriously. I'm I'm like at hundred and sixteen now, so I gotta Oh that's, I gotta that's cut pretty it down. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so the my last question that I had, you know, you're you're in this this position where you're you're ready to make this this feature, which will be your first feature. And are you going to direct it, or are you going to have someone else direct it? Um, I'm at a Emmy winning like director named Melanie Wagor, and she's she wants to do it with me. Also, she's a producer, oh, nice. so she might be able to get double the funds or something. And oh, cool. Uh, I have that on the pitch deck, uh, her bio. Nice. So, yeah, I'm fine with someone doing the directing. I'm just really focused on producing it, acting it, helping find the actors and things like that. Yeah. So. I think that's really smart to, like, give give at least one job to somebody else, you know, so that you don't have to be responsible for everything 
you know, not to say that acting, directing isn't great and people can't do it. It's just that I think it's a really, really hard thing to do and you're putting a ton of pressure on yourself. And I think letting someone else take uh, one of those, those, you know, weights off your shoulders is just a good call. Yeah, definitely respect for you to be able to do all three of those uh, skills, you know, acting, uh, I'm sorry, uh, writing, producing, and directing. So that's tough. Right. Um, yeah. But, uh, I mean, but you're, you're, yeah, it is a lot. Um, but you have a lot of experience. Yeah, when do you making... start your production office, Alric? My production? When When do you start your production company? My production company? Oh, well, yeah. I already kind of have a production company. Yeah, but I guess it, so. It's just, you know, it's not really official or anything. Um, <laughs> but I'm more like a freelancer that, you know, goes under Brussel Productions, you know. But, uh, like, all my short films and, and I guess this feature, too, are all going to, like, kind of be made by my company, I guess, in a way, or at least partially. Um, because, like, I'm I'm going to be a producer no matter what just because, like, I have to be, you know, to get it all done. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I just... It would be great to be in a level one day where I had multiple projects being produced under my banner, but one day we'll see. <laughs> one day. Well, as I say, it was like after this this whole career, like you know, you've you've done this, uh, you've you've been in China, you've made all these 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 things, you've been in all these different projects. You know, you're back in in Los Angeles now. You're getting ready to to have this this feature made. You know that you've written and that you're starring in. Um, do you think the time in China is going to help you get this thing done? Or do you feel like, you know, yeah, like, I guess, yeah, what, yeah, I guess that's the question. Like, do you think the time in China has, like, really allowed you to get to this place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I started writing that in about five years ago because I took a class at AFI and they were like, yeah, you make your own projects, you know, don't wait for the phone to ring. So I was like, oh, oh, I've written a book before. Let me try this script writing thing. So I started, I thought, oh, vampires are popular. And I started writing that. And then uh, to answer your question, I think it it's helpful because uh, I still have connections over there. And if I do do some filming of it over there, there's like a director that will help me get his stars for cut rate and they'll help that make that happen and uh, you know I have uh, friends over there and over here that can help so just having the Chinese connections is helpful and even though they might not finance it because they don't like vampires over there uh, it's still they can still help in other ways and this the film I have after it is called China Dream which is very pro China content there's no vampires so they're they will totally be on board with that, and that'll be easier nice. to be made, I think. Nice. All right, Kellerman, you have a final question for Davey? I mean, geez, it's all been so very interesting. I really don't uh, – <laughs> I mean, what's next for you? So the plan is to crowdfund this mm-hmm. feature, and then does the feature go to festivals? Mm-hmm. What's the plan? Uh, yeah, we just uh, see about the distribution part and – later on and for me I don't have huge hopes for this to like be real big because it's such a niche film niche subject unless we had a a star somehow that could be in it 
Um, so to be getting one under my belt will be make me very happy and then the next one will be bigger and better and just move up from there but I'm just itching to get this done since it's been weighing on my back for five years but it'll be happy to get yes. that done. <laughs> great and then uh, but Kellerman you're in LA we we could hang out sometime that would be cool Let's meet up, dude. Let's talk about collaborating. I love collaborating yeah, with I'm new people. In Long Beach, and we can meet up somewhere. I do host uh, meetups for filmmakers and new actors. We did one yesterday in Redondo Beach, and I tell all these folks, don't wait for the phone to ring. Start writing your little short story, and I'll see yeah. how we can make it. And maybe they'll, I'll use my company to make a low budget little short for them, so they're not sitting by the phone for ten years. Maybe they can. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. And they're really yeah, excited because really cool. I met a lot of them at the VIP Entertainment Expo a month ago, where I was a speaker, and um, they're just so happy and wide-eyed. And it was the first time where people were coming <laughs> up to me and asking me questions, and I was I was happy and flattered. But I also think, oh, how can I help them? I I told yeah, each that's person awesome. that's a great attitude like, to have too. Yeah, I, that'll come back to you. I told each person. Learn another language if you can, <laughs> which helped me being bilingual, and start writing your little stories, something personal or not, and something you're passionate about, and then bring it back to me. I'll see what we can do. Maybe they'll give a, our company a little bit of money to make that film for low budget, and I can start, you know, doing other people's little projects because I have a couple camera people and different people that do stuff and then we can make a small low budget team that helps these people get their own little projects off the ground so i was just about to ask if you have equipment was that part of starting your production company or do you just have connections with people who own their own equipment i just have people that have their equipment or trustworthy friends that would do it for cheap and they're reliable so that's kind of the team i have that's great. That's something Alric and I were talking about last night, actually, because yeah, for me, making my short films, I mean, I'm not, I don't consider myself to be a great producer, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I do produce my own stuff sometimes, and I direct, and I write them, and I act in them, and nice. um, the hardest part is finding people with equipment who know how to find a frame, and can work on the cheap because all of my productions, I, I don't have a production company. I, all of my productions <laughs> are, uh, l- you know, low budget would is, uh, very generous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, I was just curious. We were talking about knowing people who have equipment versus, you know, spending the money to rent equipment or owning your own equipment. Yeah. I, I wouldn't recommend buying any of that stuff. And, yet right so i definitely have a couple buddies that are they're hungry too and they have some equipment and they're trustworthy and reliable and so just work with them so far and then your connection base grows and they introduce you to other reliable people so it's it's a process but i have high hopes that it'll get better and better so cool yeah we'll definitely have to meet up and see what we can work on Definitely. Alric's out here for a week. We should meet up this oh, week. Oh, really? Sweet. That's hard to yeah. come by Alric down here. He hates it. I know. So. Oh, I, I've, I've learned to... I've, he's I'm actually slowly... He's to coming really, around. He's coming around. I'm starting to really like Los Angeles a lot now. Yeah, it's kind of he fun has one meeting on Sunset Boulevard and he's it. converted. 
It's too yeah. much. It's too crowded up there. Come to Long Beach. It's uh, <laughs> wide open down here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, yeah, I'm that totally down to hang out. Um, yeah, it'd, it'd be fun okay. to meet in person. Let's I'm sure all of our uh, listeners enjoy listening to us make plans. I know, seriously. Where are y'all staying? Uh, Alric, what part of town are you staying in? Uh, uh, oh, Hollywood Hills. Hol- Hollywood <laughs> Hills, baby. Living the life. Upscale yeah. lifestyle. Well, my uh, my partner that I'm working with here for, for the week is uh, likes the, the good life. So nice. the places he books for us are always in nice neighborhoods. You know, <laughs> I was like, let's, let's, I was like showing him, I was like, oh yeah, this is a Silver Lake place. He's like, Silver Lake? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's my reaction Silver when someone Lake's says nice. Silver Lake. And LA really? people inside joke. <laughs> <Silver Lake>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are we yeah, completely alienating the, everybody who's the listening The other listeners right now? are like, huh, I wonder what that place is. Oh, oh my that's God. So funny. It sounds, like a, it sounds like a beautiful lake. Like, <laughs> it's silver and stuff. Like in, like in Seattle, there was a place called Green Lake, and there actually yeah, is Green a Green Lake, lake right there. That's true. Um, all right. Well, uh, Davey, um, thanks for coming on the show, man. This has been really great. Where can people find your work? Where should people go if they want to check out your reel, check out uh, Chinese speaking vampires, check out all the stuff? Where, where do you want them to go? Just uh, YouTube Davey Williams for my demo reel, Davey Williams 2019. And then you have the Chinese speaking vampires on YouTube. You have the IMDB, which is Davy D A B Y Williams, and then my website compilepictures.com. So nice. that and that has links to the Amazon books and stuff. Great, and we'll link all that stuff in our show notes. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Um, It'll be great yeah, to meet you in so person. Much. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. This was a lot of fun, and you know, so it took. This is like probably. Oh, I got like probably two months in the making or three mm. months in the making since Appreciate. we first like said that we were going to do this. Oh, I'm so glad I got to be a so part of the busy. episode. This was a ton of yeah. fun. <laughs> thanks for finally getting back to me. finally happened. Yeah, I thanks know, for I'm finally uh, replying to the email. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like wow. I, 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 still, I still have 30 emails uh, that I've drafted that I haven't sent yet. <laughs> to people and like I think there's one to you sitting in that draft bin still too Davey and I feel really bad but I mean eventually I'll I'll send all those emails Um, hey (laughs) you know we made it happen today thank you Kellerman it was a true pleasure Davey really nice to meet you we'll continue talking about you in person okay I'm gonna do the outro outro now yep I'm gonna take us out so uh after you've watched all Davy's work, you can check out our website at makingmoviesishard.com, where you can also find all the same links you just watched. We'll post them all there, um, including Davy's reel. Uh, I want to put, find the trailer for that Dolph Lundgren movie and put it up there. Definitely. I love that definitely. story. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, his website and all that good stuff, too. If you want to get in contact with us just the way Davey did to make this whole thing happen, you can send an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com. Um, or you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at MMIH Podcast. I am Alric B on Twitter and Instagram, and Alex Kellerman is Alex Kellerman writes a lot. Is that what it no, is? No, no, it's just at Kellerman writes a lot on Instagram. At Kellerman writes a lot, right? Yeah, I'm okay. kind of all over the place. My Twitter's Kellerman Comedy. My YouTube's Kellerman Comedy. I, I should know. really clean that up. And you're not just a comedy guy, too. You do more. Well, that's why I changed so my more. Instagram to Kellerman Writes a lot, because I was doing a bunch of action stuff and horror, and like yeah, it got kind of yeah, out of control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and please, if you like this show, tell a friend. 
You can help us get the word out there by leaving a review on iTunes or Stitcher. You can also like us or something on Spotify, I think, or watch. Yeah, we're on Spotify now. Definitely talk yeah. about that. Tell everybody yeah. to stop listening <laughs> because we're not yeah, on Spotify. Seriously. We're on Spotify I had like three now. people tell me that like we're not on Spotify, so that's why they don't listen to my show. Yep, well, and we're there now. I was like, I have to be on Spotify. Also, you um, can give on Patreon. Yeah, Patreon. Still has not yeah. made it onto the give to the show. <laughs> oh. Yeah, just like D- Davey has, uh, he was so generous to become one of our patrons, and I Amazing. finally got your shout out on the on an episode uh, a few weeks oh, ago. Really? Which <laughs> took me forever to Thanks. do, but I finally thanked you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my good buddy Garrett, <laughs> who uh, also was as a patron as well recently. Um, but yes, I love I love the love. Check it out. Yeah, if you um, like the show, keep us going. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I don't. I don't see any of that money, but Ulrich spends it. I trust him to spend it wisely on the show. <laughs> I, I. It just. I go. All goes to my editor, and 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 to pay for the cast. That's it. Because like, I got an editor who is really doing a lot now. So I just put all. Give him all the money. He's got all the money. <laughs> um, all right. Well, awesome. thanks, Kellerman and Davey, for a great episode. Yeah, thanks, Davey. Awesome. It was great. Shit, y'all. Shit, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you guys next week. Okay. All right. Bye. <laughs>